We've got Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to talk about. We have vacation vaccinations to talk about. We are also going to be looking at stroke and what you can do to try to prevent a stroke. Is there anything? Not sure. A lot of people suffer strokes when they are very young. And yesterday... The world lost actor Luke Perry at just 52 years old. We'll talk about that. We are also going to look at marijuana legislation to pardon past offenders because the government's still trying to work this out. Remember when marijuana legislation came in? What happened? It was, here you go. And then everybody kind of had to figure stuff out. This is one of those things that was kind of kicked down the road. And now we've got to figure it out. If it's now legal to do something, in other words have marijuana in your pocket, certain amount, and it's legal to smoke marijuana or consume marijuana, cannabis, then what about the people who got tagged for it years ago? How do you change that? Well, the government's looking at it, and they have they've moved forward on it, let's say. But we're going to examine exactly what's happened in about an hour from now, so please do not miss that. We are also going to talk hockey helmets at some point. The NHL needs to follow junior hockey in a few ways, and the GM meetings are underway, and there's another way that they might just do it, so we'll talk about that later in the show. Plus, we've got to maybe take some time, if we can, either today or tomorrow, and take a look at debt. You know, does it bother you? Do you reach into your own bank accounts and say, okay, well, where do we sit? Do you take stock of your own stuff when a company like Equifax Canada steps up and says, whoa, look at this. We've got bankruptcies that are up by 15% in the last half of 2018. We've got mortgage delinquency rates rising, people unable to pay their mortgage. We have non-mortgage debt for consumers up 3%, sitting at 23520 Now, I'm never sure, does that include car payments? Because I almost think car and home should be lumped in its own section. Because very few people can walk onto a car lot and say, yeah, uh, here's the cash for that. Even if you're buying a used car. Cars are not free, but they're a necessity. And so does that factor in? Because if it does, I'd like to see the number without that. If you took car and mortgage and put that in a separate pile because not many people are able to walk up and knock on somebody's door and say, Hi, I like your house. What do you want for it? Uh, haven't thought about that. How about $600,000? Yeah, okay, just a second. Let me, uh, let me pull out my wallet here. I think, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to be a little short of that 600000 mark. Would you take five ninety? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, $590, that's about, so you don't have that happening. But if you look at non-mortgage debt, if we're talking about credit card debt, I can't imagine, and maybe I'm naive, please let me be naive on this one. I can't imagine that credit card debt sits at 23520 on average for a Canadian. 23520 No, no, please tell me that's not the case. There are better ways to consolidate debt. Don't leave that on credit cards. You know what you'd be paying in interest? Makes my eyes water. Can't be. So maybe we'll be able to dig into those a little bit later on when we talk more about that story. Lots of things. But let's begin with the federal government. Let's begin with the fact that right now, 
as we sit, let's look at this. It is 1.11 and 25 seconds in the afternoon on March 5th, 2019. You know what we forgot to do yesterday? Yesterday is the only day on the calendar when the date is actually a command. March 4th. And we didn't March 4th yesterday. There's so much going on. But today's March 5th, and you can't do that. So let's take a look. It's now 1.11 and 48 seconds on Tuesday, March 5th, 2019, and Justin Trudeau is the Prime Minister of Canada. That we do know. But if we're looking at, let's say, debt, right now the Liberal government has a cabinet debt because they've lost two cabinet ministers in the last three weeks. This isn't necessarily a good sign. In fact, it's not a good sign at all. Uh, We did hear earlier today, and as we begin to talk about this, I do want to update you on how London MPs are feeling about this. And we've heard already today on 980 CFPL from London West MP Kate Young and from London North Center MP Peter Fragiscatos. Both appeared on the Craig Needles show. I want to take you back to Kate Young's answer to a question about why she is standing by the Prime Minister. Well, I do want to say that uh, there is no question I have the utmost respect for both uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott. I worked with Jane Philpott quite a bit on the Indigenous file and got to know her. And so I was uh, I was shocked when I heard yesterday that, uh, that she was stepping down. Now, I'm not a member of the Cabinet, so I'm not privy to cabinet confidence and I think what I want to to hear as a member of parliament is I want to listen to uh, the um, justice committee tomorrow I want to hear uh, more of the discussions because I don't think I have all the answers as of yet but uh, certainly uh, looking forward I, I want to uh, as all Canadians do I want to understand what uh, is going on and uh, and until I hear otherwise I I am totally supportive uh, of our Prime Minister. So that is London West MP Kate Young. You can't falter for that. Get more information? Yeah, no problem. You want to hear from the Justice Committee? No problem. Hear from the Justice Committee. The fact that this is being done, that's the whole concern. That's the whole concern that we are having to go through, that we have seen two cabinet ministers step away. That's the big concern. So that was Kate Young. Now, here is a reaction to a similar question from London North Center MP Peter Fragiscatos. Well, I continue to have full confidence in this Prime Minister, full stop. I'll be very clear and very direct on that fact. Uh, With reference to the SNC file, which is uh, the issue that that you're raising here, uh, I emphasize that nothing illegal took place, even by Ms. Mm Wilson-Raybould's admission. There was no illegal activity. And that's the line for me, uh, to be to be very unequivocal about it. And so that is why I continue to have confidence in this government and in this prime minister as well. So that is Peter Fragiscatos, London North Centre MP, and he says it full stop. I mean, he was very adamant about it and looked at the legality of things. So that's where he sits in all of this. More information is going to continue to come out on this. And it isn't election time just yet. Canadians don't tend to have the longest memories in the world. None of us do, especially when it comes to politics. Things are going to ebb and flow and change between now and then. I get a kick out of all these polls that keep coming out saying, is this going to affect the way you're going to vote? 
And what did we have? A quarter of Canadians saying, yes, that will affect the way that I'm going to vote. Yeah, but it's March. Do you know how you're going to feel in August, in September? No, you don't. I mean, this could get worse. We could see more Canadians saying, absolutely not. I am disgusted with the Liberals. This old boys club mentality that may have played out. Can't have that. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to vote against them. Or who knows what will happen. We've got the Conservatives. We've got the NDP. We've got a lot of time. And that's where we sit. Now, here's what we need to kind of take into account in all of what is happening. We've got to pay close attention to it, but the thing that I'm interested in is seeing whether or not Jody Wilson-Raybould stepped away because of what you would term as, as kind of an old boys club mentality. Is that what we saw the government do? Try and treat things the way they've always been treated, and then you've got somebody who has a strong, strong character who has said, no, that's not the way. We're doing it. That's what I'm most fascinated to find out in this. Is this because old boys politics has been there forever. It exists in so many things and it needs to go because old boys politics is kind of a a group of people who are doing things that will benefit themselves. It goes back to power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. If you're the one pulling the strings and pushing the buttons, you can do whatever you want. Because you're the one pulling the strings and pushing the buttons. But when it comes down to, is this right? We now have people who are coming up. You know, I always like to say, I can't wait for young people to run the world. The attitude that they have goes completely against, hey, that power corrupts thing. Yeah, no, we're going to do what's right here. And maybe we've got a couple of people who were put into very good positions and have been very good politicians, and we now have them stepping down from cabinet because that's not the way that they want to see things play out. As simple as that. Legalities may not have anything to do with it. It is the attitude that exists in all of this, the attitude that people will become tired of, that, you know, this, this is kind of the way we do things. And I don't know what went on, but that's what I'm most interested to find out, if that is one of the cases, that... It was old boys club attitude. It reminds me of a football coach. In football, you've got two standard defenses. So bear with me for a second, because even if you're not a football fan, this should make some sense in the end. You have two standard defenses, and both take different kinds of people to make them work. You have kind of the old-fashioned 4-3 defense. So you put four guys, big guys, in the, in kind of the, the middle of, of your defense, and you say, you just try and get through these guys. Now, it's a pretty standard defense. Everybody has a particular job. It doesn't necessarily take a lot of thinking from many of the people on the field. This is just the way it is. This is the way we've always done it. Here we go. And then you've got a 3-4 defense. Not much different. You put three big people down, and you have four people in behind them who are kind of free to go where they go. And that takes a little bit more thinking. And if you take over a team, you have to look at your personnel, and you have to realize which ones are capable of what. And you have to decide what defense you need. Do you have more of a traditional government defense here? Or 
Did maybe the prime minister misread things and put in people who are now saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm a good thinker, I'm a good reactor, and this is what I'm going to do. Because if you put the personnel in the wrong defense, it doesn't work. Ask the Buffalo Bills. They've been famous for it. They've done it a ton. So what exactly do we have here from the prime minister? I, I wonder if you've got people who he expected would act in a certain way and now aren't acting in that way, and now... He's got holes in his cabinet. Let's open up the phones. If you have any thoughts on this, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Is this going to change the way that you're going to vote? Can, Can that even be predicted? I know people will answer poll questions all the time. That's not a problem. But really, is this is this going to make a difference? 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980CFPL.ca. And let's get to Al. Al says, I can't believe they're even debating what has happened here. Justin Trudeau needs to lose his job. The excuse that he's wanting to save jobs in Canada is false. SNC only does 15% of their business in Canada, and those jobs would still be here in Canada, just a different company doing those infrastructure and construction jobs. So the story is about Justin saving his friends and jobs, not losing the jobs in Canada. This is about votes and money for the party, and then he adds in full stop. 519-643-2222. Give us your thoughts on how this is playing out and how you see the importance and where you see the importance in all of this. Because this is a situation that isn't going away anytime soon, but is it going to matter in months from now? That's the big question. Richard, lead us off. What are your thoughts? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? Not too bad, thanks. Well, you know, right, I can... Okay, you already know how I feel about Mr. Trudeau, so we don't have to get into that. But if I want to sit back, Mike, and be very open-minded, right, and weigh out both sides, this is how I weigh it out. I remember one time many decades ago, I was sitting in Premier Alan Emery Blakeney's home in Regina Elphinstone, and somehow we got on to the issue in the discussion, right, Mike, when people are telling a lie. And I'll never forget what the Premier said to me, Alan said to me, Richard, he said, what you have to do, he said, is take the facts from both sides, he said, and uh, the allegations and whatever, he said, weigh them both out. Then he says, you have to ask yourself, who has the most to gain from lying and who has the most to lose from telling the truth? <laughs> and, and when I look at both sides, Mike, I say to myself, well, Mr. Trudeau, right, this could cost him, right, his government. This could cost his prime ministership. This could cost him everything, right? In fact, right, he might even beat his father's legacy. His father, after one term, came out with a minority government, but he went on 12 years after to govern, right, with majority governments. In this particular case, Mike, he might not even and get that. So I say to myself, and then you have the uh, former federal justice minister and the former attorney general right from Vancouver Granville, what has she got to gain out of line and what has she got to lose right out of uh, line? And you know what I say, Mike, if you sit down and you weigh both sides of it, right? Well, what do you say? Who has the most to lose and who has the most to gain? 
Well, I'm I'm kind of looking the prime minister's direction. That's right. And you know, as for Jody Wilson-Rayborg, I never ever thought I would ever use this word in the same sentence, but she is a very honorable woman, right, for being a liberal, and I naturally want her to finish her term out as a liberal MP, because I do not believe in floor crossing, right, and I do not like, uh, well, I call them traitors. In other words, right, I don't like the David Emersons of this country from Vancouver Kingsway. I like people to finish out their term in office, what they were elected as, don't betray your vote. Don't betray your supporters. But you know, come this October, right? If she wishes to do so, I hope that Andrew Scheer, right, I hope, right, that he welcomes her as a candidate into the party, because that's the kind of conservatives, right, that I would like to have elected. The last time, Mike, I ever seen an honorable politician like that, like Jody Wilson-Rayborg, right, was the late honorable James Flaherty, who was on the opposite ends of the political spectrum. But, you know, in the last 20 years, isn't that sad, Mike, in my own mind, those are the only two honorable politicians I've seen. (laughs) As for Jane Philippot, right, I don't know much about that lady. I know she's a close friend and obviously a very loyal friend, right, to Jody, and I won't take that from her. But I'll tell you one thing. I've got a little more faith in Canadians than you do, Mike. I believe that Canadians have enough, a long enough memory, pardon me, that they're going to remember this come October. I remember the Mulroney scandal of the 80s. I remember the Cretchen scandals of the 90s. I remember what happened under the Harper government. You can be rest assured if Canadians have forgotten right come this october if you allow me mike i'll refresh in their memories you have a good day mike thanks richard i'll count on you for it keep that faith alan what do you think hey mike uh you know i uh, i agree with your previous caller but at the same time i don't i don't think that trudeau is going to be affected by this at all even though it's uh it, i mean what appears to have happened is uh really quite problematic but let's face it if you were someone who supported the liberal platform, even if you didn't so much support Trudeau at this point because of what's allegedly occurred, where are you going to park your vote? Do you honestly see liberal-leaning voters going to sheer or wasting their vote with a weak NDP led by Jack Ming Singh? I don't. So the way that the political climate is right now, even though what he's done is horrible, or at least has allegedly done is horrible, and should be a big concern for Canadians from coast to coast, I still don't see it being a motivational factor for people who normally lean liberal to go elsewhere. Makes sense. Alan, thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. Almost time for a break. We can squeeze in Ted. Ted, you've got about 60 seconds. Well, to the previous caller, denial is not just, denial is not just a river in Africa. And what about the jobs in Alberta? And what about the situation here with uh, uh, the light-armored vehicles? This wasn't about jobs. This this was about winning the next election. And uh, uh, I don't think Trudeau, I think Trudeau was forced by his party to take that position because they wanted to use his name. And he was never ready for that. He didn't have the training. He didn't have the, he might have been a member of Parliament for a while, but... He, when he said, uh, I, I, my Papado, they're in my writing, that just told me that, that uh, he is uh, not a very honest person, and he's also not a very knowledgeable person, can't think on his feet. I watched him in those, uh, those uh, uh, town hall things. He got better, but 
I don't know. It's but it may have, been, may have been early. Ted, you raise a great point. we got to run for, for news, but thank you so much for the call. Have a great day. You too, Mike. Bye. Bye. We do have to take a break. If you are on hold, please stay on hold. We'll talk about this. Got a great email from Brad just a few minutes ago as well. And we're going to be talking about stroke in about 10 minutes from now. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Thanks again for all the reaction to what is happening with our federal government. We are going to talk perhaps more about that later. But up next, we're going to talk with the Director of Systems Change and Stroke Program with the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Early stroke will be the topic. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are working to talk more about the stats that came out from Equifax Canada earlier today saying that non-mortgage debt for consumers, 23520 and that would count vehicles. So that's a big number, or, or is it when you factor in vehicles? If they were saying $23,000 of credit card debt, that's a big difference. If you factor in a vehicle, vehicle is almost like a tiny house. And if you've got two vehicles that aren't paid off, or even one vehicle that's not paid off, that can add a lot of debt. Did get a note, though, from Brad, and I thought this was very informative. Brad says, I don't doubt those stats for a minute. I'm in my early 30s. I was underemployed for several years with my wife at home with the kids. By the time I found a good job in my field, we had racked up around $30,000 in consumer debt. We've been aggressive in paying it down and are on a trajectory to be debt-free aside from our mortgage by this time next year. Brad, congratulations. That takes some doing. It takes discipline. And accountability to break the cycle of debt, especially with the costs of having a young family. Unfortunately, we see friends going down the same road as us and simply taking on more and more debt to try to stay afloat. People need to really reevaluate the things they buy and only buy the necessities and wait on the wants until they have the cash on hand to buy them. Brad, thank you. We will endeavor to talk more about that a little later on in the show. And if not today, I really want to get into some things tomorrow. Right now, we have an opportunity to revisit a story that everybody seemed to be talking about yesterday. And it allows us to maybe take it and look in a direction that can be a very helpful one. It was a very sad story from yesterday. Even if you didn't know him, you knew of him. Luke Perry was an actor who, whether it was on Beverly Hills 90210, whether it was on his current role on Riverdale, he was just that face. You know, if you had somebody who paid any attention to TV in the 90s, you couldn't avoid Beverly Hills 90210. It was the biggest thing out there. And he was one of those main faces. Well, he died of a stroke at age 52. And if you're 16, age 52 is ancient. If you're any other age, it's not. And 52, to have a massive stroke and pass away is absolutely tragic. And we have an opportunity to talk more about that right now with the Director of Systems Change and the Stroke Program with the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Please welcome Patrice Lindsay to the show. Dr. Lindsay, how are you? Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Let's kind of look at the fact that 52 for a stroke, we would like to say is early, but 
you can probably find all kinds of data that suggests strokes happen, can we say it, at almost any time in life? Yes, it can. Actually, in the first year of life is one of the high-risk periods. But normally after that, it is always been considered um, a disease of older people. And in fact, you know, most of the strokes do happen after 70. But alarmingly, we're seeing an increase in the number of strokes in people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Okay. Now, you just used the word increase. Can we, mm-hmm. can we correlate that to anything? I think part of it is a change in our societal structures and lifestyle. You know, everybody works a lot harder now. They aren't, you know, we don't have that nine to five society anymore. People are more pressured at work, you know, to work harder. They're not getting out and exercising as much as they should. You know, there's more stress in their lives um, and they're not eating well. You know, we have a new food guide that clearly tells us fresh fruits and vegetables are best, but people either don't have time to cook at home at the end of the day, or they can't afford, you know, the fresh fruits and vegetables, because for some people, it's very expensive. When we talk about preventing stroke, you just highlighted exercise, you just highlighted diet. How key are those two, and are there any other factors that people should be looking at? So there's the lifestyle choices. Those are two of the most key, as well as smoking. So decreasing your smoking or avoiding smoking altogether. Those three are particularly um, important in stroke management. The other parts are those medical issues, diabetes. If you have diabetes even as a child, you're at increased risk. High blood pressure. We're seeing high blood pressure in people at a much earlier age, which is now contributing to the earlier onset of, of stroke risk as well. And that's something that, again, is we could call it avoidable, but is it avoidable? You just mentioned the lifestyle, the lifestyle Mm -hmm. that people lead. It's not easy to just say, okay, well, I'll just change my lifestyle starting uh, now. It doesn't work that way, does it? Not at all. And it's it's hard work and it's a conscious decision. Um, You really have to rely on working with your healthcare providers, your family physicians to work with you, to support you, um, and kind of get your whole family involved so it's not you trying to do it on your own. But it is not easy. Nobody thinks that you can just do it, you know, cold turkey or all to, all of a sudden. It, it takes work and it takes commitment. Um, you know, everyone should know their blood pressure and they should know what it is from an earlier age and be monitoring it. You know, that you can do and be aggressively aware of it. And if you do start to see it climb, working with your healthcare team. We're talking with Dr. Patrice Lindsay, Director of Systems Change and the Stroke Program with the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Dr. Lindsay, let's talk about blood pressure then for a moment. If you do take it early on in age, what are you looking for in terms of saying, yeah, I'm good? Well, the normal blood pressure, if we call it normal, is, you know, the numbers are 120 over 80 for whatever that means. But that's, you know, a normal range. Sometimes it can be a little higher or lower depending on the individual person. But if you see it change and start to climb and consistently be higher, that's when we really need to intervene and intervene early. Gotcha. So if you've been 120 over 80 your entire life and then you go and what would be one of those things that you look at and say, huh, that's different. How high would it have to climb or how low would it have to go? Not very much higher, like 130 and we're, we're concerned. Really? And yeah. what should you do if you see that? Because that's something that, let's face it, that's that would be one of those non-warning signs. Because a lot of times, let's say you're taking your blood pressure at a drugstore or a grocery store or whatever they have mm-hmm. those monitors. You sit down. If you look at 130, it's not going to flash a red light at you saying, uh-oh, 130, look out. 
No, exactly. And people will say, oh, I've got some more time. But the earlier you get on top of it, you can actually, you know, buy yourself several years of life by getting on top of it early and not waiting till it becomes critically high. You know, that's why blood pressure is called the silent killer, because people don't realize it changing or how critical it is to your health. And how much of just being able to relax or being able to exercise can contribute to what your blood pressure is doing? Exercise is a very big contributor. By regular exercise, it helps your blood vessels be stronger and, you know, get blood flow and nutrients and oxygen to your brain, to your heart, to your other vital organs. And that, you know, regular flow of good, strong oxygen is helpful. If you aren't exercising regularly, you're not getting, you know, the oxygen nutrients really flowing to where they need to be. And that can put you at higher increased risk. If you say the word regular, how how would you determine regular? So people should get about 150 minutes of exercise a week. It could be in 10-minute, 15-minute intervals, as long as it's a more vigorous exercise. So you can do it in short bursts, but aim for about at least four to five days a week and a total of about 150 minutes. We're talking with Dr. Patrice Lindsay, Director of Systems Change and Stroke Program. When something happens that people take notice of, yesterday that happened, Luke Perry passed away. He's an actor, and whether you knew him or not, chances are not many of us did, you can look at that and say, wait a minute, he died of a stroke at the age of 52. So we're looking at some of the things that you can do to kind of steer yourself away from that. There's never any guarantee of anything in life, but at least to try and, and make things better. Let's talk about signs of stroke. Will there be signs leading up to something like a massive stroke? There may not be like long-term warning signs, but what happens at the time of a stroke is very distinct signs that we use the acronym FAST. So for somebody starting to have a stroke, you'll suddenly see potentially one side of their face starts to look droopy or their face looks uneven. Um, That's the F. So A is for arms. If you ask someone to lift their arms, one arm either won't lift at all or will start to droop and somebody can't hold it up. S is for speech, so suddenly their speech sounds mumbled, jumbled, confused. Any of those three signs are more likely to be a stroke than any other medical condition. And so the T is time. Time is of the essence, so really immediately call 911 if you see any of those signs. And it's better to be wrong and overly cautious than to be right and delay. Sure. Now, that's a a fantastic acronym. That is as a stroke is basically beginning, though, is it not? And it's, you know, there are no pre-warnings. It's usually, unfortunately, a very sudden onset kind of condition. Okay, so it's not like, well, I had this this pain in my head that was there a little while ago, and then it came back, and it kept coming back. Not that kind of thing? Not usually. For somebody who's having a stroke caused by a bleed, you might have a bit of that, but most strokes are caused by a blood clot, and it's a very sudden thing. And that is simply, as, as we think about it with, I guess, your heart and and mm-hmm. whether it's you know heart or stroke it's that's usually a, a, a formation of plaque is it and then that actually gets up into the brain yeah so it's a little clot that breaks off from somewhere else in your body usually um, or in your neck and then blocks a, a blood vessel in your brain preventing oxygen and nutrients and as soon as that blood flow stops any of the brain cells beyond that will start to die okay 
with the incidence of heart and stroke, it makes you want to be able to sit down in front of something and have it go all down your body and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, you're looking good. Are we getting closer to anything like that in terms of being able to measure how people are doing with arterial plaque and, and things like that? Not that close yet. I mean, we can do CT scans, but you're not going to start, really not going to be able to do that on everybody just to prophylactically, like in advance to see, just like with athletes where we see the sudden cardiac arrest. You know, not every athlete is going to have that full heart workup before they start playing football or rugby or soccer. So it is a challenge. Um, but the best thing we can do is as soon as you start to see those symptoms, the earlier you recognize and get help, the better the chance the person has of, of not having, you know, such a negative outcome as Luke did. And why is that? There's blood, drugs we can give that are, you know, clot-busting drugs, but they have to be given within 4.5 hours in order to work. Because after that, the clot becomes too hard and thick, and it won't be able to break it down. We also have another procedure where you can actually go in and grab the clot and pull it out through a catheter. But again, those are time-limited to have the best outcome. Okay. Well, then that makes perfect sense. And, And that actually gives a bit more of a window than I think most people would expect you to have if you can get something done within four and a half hours. It's not like saying, well, you got 20 minutes, go. Four and a half hours at least is a window. But we don't want people to think that they have that much time. It is go now because the faster we get access um, and help that person, the more likely of a good recovery. You know, at four and a half hours, you've pushed your window, so the recovery may not be as good. Sure. So it's act now. Makes sense. Well, fast. Face, arms, speech, and time. If you notice changes to someone's face, if it's drooping, if you notice that they're unable to raise, and it's not even both arms, it could be one of their arms? Yeah, it's usually one-sided. One side, and if their speech becomes garbled at all, and then time is of the essence, as Dr. Lindsay has said. Dr. Lindsay, thank you for taking us through this. It comes from a very sad story, but in the end, here's hoping it helps other people going forward. Thank you very much for having us. Have a great day. You too. That is Dr. Patrice Lindsay, Director of Systems Change and Stroke Program. It's, it's like anything. You know, you, you want to be healthy? Here are the ways to be healthy. Okay, yeah, I know. I got exercise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to exercise. Tomorrow, I'm going to exercise. And then, boy, is that bed comfortable. And that alarm went off, and you think, yeah, I started my alarm early. Whew, it's really comfortable in here. I got, a, I got a few more snoozes in me yet, right? And that's the way it goes. It is difficult. It takes some pretty hardcore discipline. But the one thing, if you do get going on an exercise program, normally you'll miss it if it stops. And you need to find that point where, you know, this, I feel really good. I am loving these endorphins. And you have to somehow fit that in. And, you know, Dr. Lindsay spelled it out. The amount of time we have, limited. Not just in life, I mean with how busy we wind up being. So in being able to set that time in order to exercise, that's difficult. Eating well, sometimes you're on the run. How do you say I finish work at 5 and the kids have to be at fill-in-the-blank, hockey, dance, baseball, choir, you name it. That's difficult. You know what, kids? We're going through a drive-thru. Don't tell your mom. Everybody's been there. And little by little, you kind of get into that sort of routine. So it's a difficult fix. In the end, it does make a difference. And that's, uh, that's what you have to think when your alarm goes off. I know I get caught up in it. My alarm went off this morning. I could have got up, but I didn't. 
I enjoyed that last news. Shouldn't have. Maybe tomorrow, right? Maybe tomorrow. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. If we were able to look at the Arabian Sea really, really closely, I'm not sure what would be going on right there right now. Remember when the movie Top Gun came out and there was kind of a classified battle at the end? I'm not giving anything away. If you haven't seen Top Gun by now, then how long do you have to wait until you spoil a movie? I'm not really spoiling the movie, but there's there's a thing. They they go into uh, an air battle at the end. It's, it's a movie. And the good guys win. Uh, but you had conversations going on saying, do you think that stuff happens? How often do you think that happens? That has to happen. They, they must have air-to-air combat and nobody ever hears about it, right? Well, this doesn't deal with air-to-air combat, but last week there was an airstrike inside Pakistan and it came from India and it was targeting militants. There had been a bomb attack, so this was kind of escalating. And then you had Pakistan's Navy just just having a look out at the Arabian Sea, just watching out, seeing what was out there, and all of a sudden, that's a bad sound effect, but there was something cutting through the top of the water, and it ended up being a submarine. And it was an Indian submarine, and it somehow had not done what submarines are supposed to do. You know the whole point of a submarine is to go at something underneath the water. They actually have footage of this thing. Now, not all of it is above the water, just a little bit. It's kind of like up periscope. Hey, did we down periscope? Do you remember? Jimmy, Jimmy, did you pull the periscope down? Jimmy, where'd he go? And Jimmy didn't pull the periscope down. So it's just the little top of the submarine coming through. But they were able to see it. And uh, with tensions what they are, hopefully it doesn't lead to anything. But it shouldn't have been there. And they actually have a picture. So it's not like India can say, yeah, that wasn't us. No, no, that's you. That's your submarine. It's right there. Coming up, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle. Then we are going to talk about marijuana legislation. Pardoning past offenders. Wouldn't we all like it if, you know, you could... Get payback for a flunked math test from the fourth grade? Is this similar to that? We're going to talk with a lawyer and get some expertise on it. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We're hoping to be able to talk more about Equifax Canada and the fact that bankruptcies are up 15% in the last half of 2018. We've seen rises in a few other things. If we can't do it today, we'll do it tomorrow. We are going to talk about a couple of other things outside marijuana legislation, one of them being going on vacation. You know how how easy it is to just kind of book a vacation somewhere all by yourself? You know what you're lacking? Expertise and tips. We always need tips. It's why teams practice all the time. You wouldn't think a hockey team would need to practice. But you have to refresh things. You have to make sure that that's that's right there so that you don't forget about it. Well, that can happen when you're planning a vacation. You're not practicing. Unless you're doing this all the time, and typically you have to have won a lottery to be vacationing all the time, you forget to do things like get vaccinated. Vaccinated. I have my vaccinations. Do you? Do you have all the ones that you might need for the country that you are going to? 
We're going to talk about that. There's some interesting stuff to look at and uh, may have you wanting to have somebody shove some needles in you next time you go on vacation. That's coming up in the next hour of London Live as well. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. If you had done something wrong in life, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go back and fix it up? We've all done wrong things. We speak. How many times do you say something wrong over the course of a day? I don't even want you to count mine. Please don't. Please don't send me that tally sheet. There'd be one. Absolutely. So if you had a chance to go back and change something, rewrite your own history, it would have to be pretty major, wouldn't it? What if it was a conviction? If you actually were criminally convicted of something and you were able to go back and get rid of that, what would that mean to you? At the time, were you doing something wrong? And this, this is kind of the existential part of this. At the time, were you doing something wrong? You would have to say, yes, I was. Let's delve into pot possession. So let's say that you were caught 20 years ago, and you had marijuana on you, and you were convicted of possession of marijuana. Not possession with the intent to traffic, nothing like that. You know, this is, this is not for drug dealers. This is for somebody who was either caught smoking marijuana or was caught with marijuana on them, something like that. And you ended up going to court. You ended up paying your fine, depending on how much you had on you, doing your community service, whatever it was that you got. So by the letter of the law, you were in the wrong, you were caught, and you paid your debt to society. That's the way it played out. What if you were able to go back and erase that that ever happened? Somebody could still ask you, hey, did you do this? You'd have the option of lying and saying, nah, I didn't do that. But your criminal record would not contain that. That's something that the federal government has kind of been wrangling with. And in fact, there is a bill making its way through the House of Commons right now and it deals with what to do with people who were convicted of possession of marijuana and marijuana offenses, but marijuana possession primarily in this case, because now it's legal. So in other words, you, it's the equivalent of they changed the speed limit on a road. You know how sometimes those back roads can have 90 kilometer an hour speed limits? I think there's, there's some north of London. Right? North of Highway 7, don't we have some 90s? When you turn going north off Highway 7, I think there's a 90. And I know there's one on at, at Glanworth. So if you were to go from Wellington over to Highbury, that's 90 kilometers an hour. Let's say that you were caught, for argument's sake, you were caught back when it was 80 doing 90. And you were given a speeding ticket. Should you be able to, hey, government... Yeah, you determined after the fact that that road should have a speed limit of 90 kilometers an hour. So that $75 that I paid for being 10 kilometers an hour over, yeah, I'd like that back because now it's legal. 
In my mind, that's kind of what's happening here. I mean, we could do this in so many different ways. We could tie up the court system worse than it has ever been fandangled before. It would be like the court system was in a straitjacket if you took into account all of those things. But they are looking at marijuana. First of all, let me fault the federal government once again for a bad rollout of marijuana legislation. Because, again, what did they want in this? They wanted the money. They wanted the tax money. They wanted to be able to say, hey, cannabis tourism, come on in. That makes more money. But overall, what did they do? Uh, Let's give this the green light. All in favor, say aye. Aye. And off they went. And they left it to the provinces to figure out how they were going to sell this stuff. And they left it largely to the provinces to do everything else. And now, all of a sudden, somebody said, yeah, well, this this stuff that we're, we're selling on the streets now or, in, or, or, I guess, online now and soon to be in, in shops along streets, yeah, that, that's legal now. But I was busted for having some 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, what are we going to do about that? And so the government has started to look into it. So here is what we know about this right now. We have Ralph Goodale, federal public safety minister, who's wrapped up in all of this. He is looking at suspending old convictions, but not erasing them forever. So, okay, all right, let's look into this a little bit more then. What does that mean? Well, the liberals would offer individuals with records, so criminal records, for possession of marijuana. Now, it's simple possession. This is not, yeah, I did a little dealing when I was in college. No, 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 no. This is not you. That was bad. This is, that's not what this is. This is I had some in my pocket or I was smoking a joint and I got caught. So what they would do is they would offer it to people a pardon. Now there would be a couple of things involved in this. It would be free. It could be applied for immediately. And we'll see how this makes its way through the House of Commons. But we wanted to make sure that we got some clarification on some stuff because there are things in here. There's there's a pardon, uh, also called a record suspension. So, so what does that mean? Uh, you could look for things to be expunged completely. Wait a minute. I don't know the word expunged that well. Uh, so let's figure out exactly where we sit on all of this. This is what the government is doing, but there's stuff to take into account. Let's get some expertise. Joining us right now, Carolyn Conron from Conron Law. Carolyn, thank you for taking some time out, first of all, to be on the show. What do you make of the latest on all of this? Well, I think that this is definitely a positive step forward. It's not necessarily a perfect solution, but uh, what they're looking at uh, from the government's perspective are pardons or record suspensions for the simple cannabis possession charges. Okay, so pardons, what would that entail? How, how are those two things different? Okay, so basically the, the two sort of options, and some, some critics say that the pardon or record suspension doesn't go far enough, and they want full expungement of these records. So the, uh, the full expungement is to permanently destroy or remove the record. And so they have, uh, in Canada, it's called the Expungement of Historically Unjust Convictions Act, or Expungement Act for short. So the Parole Board of Canada um, can actually uh, get rid of them permanently, whereas a record suspension uh, allows people who are convicted of a criminal offense but have completed their sentence 
and demonstrated their law-abiding citizens uh, to have their criminal records kept separate and apart from other criminal records. We are talking with Carolyn Conron from Conron Law, and we're looking at marijuana legislation as it pertains to people with past convictions now that we have different legislation governing marijuana in this country. When we look at how that may play out in different settings, let's take crossing the border, for example. Could either of those play a different role in how easy it is for someone to cross back and forth between Canada and the United States, let's say? Well, and that's a really interesting uh, question because part of the justification for the government now advocating for the pardon and record suspension is that through the CPIC system, which is the Canadian Police Information Centre, they can share the uh, the pardon through CPIC as well as uh, to, to clear up any inconsistency or discrepancy because if people have crossed the border, then that may already be on the system. And so uh, if, if the record is expunged, the government says, then there will be an inconsistency between the uh, systems where the, the other side wouldn't realize that the record's been expunged. So they would still have something showing, but then on the Canadian side, that wouldn't be there because it would be completely expunged. Whereas with a record suspension, there could be the, the uh, notation of the record suspension on CPIC. Okay, so that makes things very interesting then, because nobody in border crossing, nobody in, in the legal system likes inconsistency that much, do they? <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> so in terms of, of where this could go from here, could this, could this take another turn in some way? Could it make more progress? What do you think? Well, I think there's a lot of unknowns right now in terms of, uh, for example, the number of people to whom it would apply. I mean, the estimate right now is, 70,000 to 80,000 people would be eligible for this. So in terms of the administration cost, that's another thing that I think hasn't really been worked out. Um, from the government's perspective, the, uh, they're saying, you know, the expungement may not even be available because this is only an option when, the, when a law violates human rights. For example, when buggery used to be a crime and uh, people who are homosexual get criminalized for engaging in consensual sexual activity. And so that would show up as a criminal conviction. But as a result of um, more enlightened times, we've now realized that it is unjust to criminalize that because it violates people's human rights. And so those uh, convictions were expunged, just taken off. They're not just suspended, but they're gone. And so uh, I think this is a matter for debate, whether or not uh, this law was morally unjust, whether it violates human rights. And in terms of the medical necessity for certain individuals, that uh, has definitely been the case, but the scientific understanding of how that works hasn't always been there. So uh, I think, again, this is not necessarily the perfect solution, but it is a positive step forward and acknowledging that the conviction should not show up on someone's record. But this is still going to take some time to play itself out, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Everything, uh, everything takes time, so... I mean, I think this is it's a good first step, like I say, and there's uh, no easy answers, but I think that this is a recognition that the convictions for marijuana possession are not warranted. It's not warranted for people to have criminal stigma associated with that because that does hinder their ability to get jobs, housing, cross the border, all for something that uh, we now see is not morally blameworthy. And if it is taken off the record, it wouldn't show up when someone did a search, if someone was applying for a job or applying for a mortgage or things like that? Well, so that's one of the limits of the record suspension, right? So it, uh, 
It doesn't erase a convicted offense. It sets it aside. It doesn't guarantee entry or visa privileges to another country. And uh, for uh, certain offenses, not for cannabis, I wouldn't think, but uh, it can show up in a vulnerable sector check. Okay. Well, Carolyn, we really appreciate your time and your expertise in this. Yes, and I should say the, the record suspension as well, in terms of the limits, it can be revoked or cease to have effect if someone is convicted of a new indictable offense or some summary offenses or found to no longer be of good conduct or made a false or misleading statement or hidden information or if they were ineligible for a record suspension at the time it was ordered. Oh, so, wow. Okay, so things, yeah, so things can kind of be reversed. Right, exactly. And so that's sort of one of the... Um, detractions, but I mean, if if it's being reversed for some other reason, that may be that the the person has uh, committed some other conduct that might also impair their ability to get employment, housing, and travel, and those sorts of things. So, uh, I I don't know if the the pot conviction is going to be the determining factor there if the record suspension is revoked or ceases to have an effect. Well, we'll watch it play out, Carolyn. Thanks again. Thank you, Mike. Carolyn Conron from Conron Law. As we look at marijuana possession and pardons for it. And Carolyn made a really interesting point right there at the end, meaning, and this may be why the federal government is looking at this, because they have looked at the fact that it would be kind of set aside. So a pardon process would be set aside, but not erased. The the conviction would not be erased forever. And as Carolyn points out, that's because if you go out and do a bad thing again, well, then you should lose the right to have had something taken off your record. That goes right back in. So I don't mind that at all. Here's the ultimate question, though. I mean, rules are in place. We live by rules. Our society runs by rules. Talk to people who have lived, even in different societies on this planet, about places where where rules aren't really followed. You know, I can remember being at a Tim Hortons and standing in line. And I was standing, this was at the, just outside Pearson, Toronto Airport. And I was at a Tim Hortons and there was a guy standing with me. And we were kind of back in a line. There were four or five people in front of me. And he kind of tapped my arm and he says, I still get a kick out of this. And he pointed at the line. And I kind of said, at the line? He said, yeah, yeah. All of you lining up. He goes, I'm not from here. I'm from a country where when you walk in the door, you just walk up to the counter. And if you push someone out of the way, so be it. If you get served first, last, there is no line. No one waits for the other person. So when you look at this, we live by rules. We have functioned by rules. When we go back 20, 30 years, the rule was don't smoke a joint. Don't have marijuana on your person. That was the rule. And if you got caught, you knew you were breaking the rule. So now because marijuana is legal, why are we going back and fixing this? You broke an earlier rule. Well, now we're giving you a chance. And I understand what that can mean. You know, and I'm sure I'd feel differently if one of my kids or if a family member or a close friend or whoever, if they were caught and had to say, do you know what my life is like right now because I have this conviction on my record? Here's what I can't do. Here's where I'm given a tough time. And it's a small, small thing like simple possession of marijuana.
I mean, this is not a big deal. This was not hurting anybody. And that's true. So what's right in this case? Do you think the federal government is doing this right to be able to say, we're going to offer this up and you're going to be able to set it aside and it's not going to show up in Canada, could still show up if you've crossed the border and that conviction has been there. So getting into the U.S. could still be tough. You'd have to find a way to have it set aside or expunged from their side if that's what they would do. I don't know how you would do that. Good luck. Is this something that is a good idea? Is it fair? Or is it unfair because somebody had a speeding conviction and or let's let's make it a, a reckless driving conviction or something that they feel they should have removed because of whatever circumstances. 519-643-2222. Got a few minutes to weigh in on this. If you would like to, you can email Mike at 980CFPL.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Is it a good idea to go back and say, yeah, now that marijuana is legal, anybody who was convicted of simple possession, no problem. We'll set that aside. But at the time, you broke the rule. How important are rules to you? 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. More to come in a moment as London Live continues. This is Global News Radio, 980-CFPL. Rules are made to be broken, right? That's something that somebody once said. I don't know how true it is. Rules usually are put in place for a reason. Sometimes they get changed, though. And with marijuana, they've been changed. We now have legalized marijuana in Canada. So the look into it from the government standpoint is to whether or not we need to basically help out people who were convicted of simple pot possession in the past. Sounds fair, doesn't it? But wait a minute. They broke a rule long time ago. They knew they shouldn't have pot on them. They, they had it, and they got caught, and then they got convicted. So where does that stand? Because rules change quite a bit. Email from Matt. Matt says, I think this opens a Pandora's box. You would have the right to apply to basically have any conviction that you had been convicted of put in front of the courts again. I don't think this is very good. I don't know if it goes quite that far. I mean, nobody's going to say, well, let's equate this to murder. Let's equate this to, uh, you know, an assault case. I, I don't think it goes that far. But simple thing, jaywalking, you get convicted of jaywalking. I don't think that hurts you crossing the border. Marijuana possession does. Uh, another one that comes from Shelly. Shelly says, they did this with same-sex offenses. Just follow the old blueprint. And you know what? That that makes some sense for sure because that's exactly what they did. And Carolyn Conron, our guest from Conron Law, had pointed to buggery offenses as they were referred to and said, you know what? Now those do not exist on somebody's record. Uh, another email that has just come in, and this is from Dan. Dan says, I feel bad for anyone who was hindered by a past conviction like possession. There is no reason for them to have to go through the daily threat of having this brought to light if it was just a small possession charge and if they did serve their debt to society. So there you have some feedback on it. In terms of what will be done with it, well, the bill is going to continue through the House of Commons. And the push is not to eliminate it completely, 
But to take it, set it aside, and as long as you're good, it stays aside. But as Carolyn Conron pointed out, it doesn't apply to the United States. So if you've crossed the border and they've seen this red flag on your basic passport, then that's still going to be there going into the United States. won't be there coming back. And that's something that I don't think you can change. Coming up, we are going to talk about vacationing. Anybody want to talk about vacationing? If you look outside right now, you know what you're probably seeing? Snow falling to the ground. John Wilson had said earlier this week, or maybe it was late last week, normal temperatures around this time of year, above zero, two degrees, maybe up to five some days. But yeah, not, not this year. Winter's kind of dragging its heels again. So we're going to talk vacation, but here's what we're going to do. I hate to talk vacation and then say, but. We are going to talk about things that people overlook for vacation. One of them being getting proper shots, vaccinations, and even putting together a little something to take with you just in case. Because we've all heard the nightmare stories. It's great to get away from whatever it is falling from the sky. It's that, that really fine snow again, the stuff that could make the drive home slippery. So do take it easy. But we'll get into that and other things, including keeping on your helmet in hockey before the end of the show. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Email from Trevor says, pardons for marijuana. Since the 70s, England has had automatic pardons on criminal convictions a few years after serving your sentence and true pardons at that. England saw the negative roadblocks criminal records caused. We are very, very far behind. Because this would not be a complete pardon, a true pardon. This would be setting things aside. And then as long as you were a good person and didn't get into trouble anymore, they would stay set aside, but would never be completely gone. But we're looking at a thing that the two sides that we described going back to last half hour were, okay, you broke a rule. It was a rule. You knew it. You broke it. That's a pretty hard line. The second one is you weren't dealing marijuana. You weren't selling it to somebody. You had it for your own personal use. It's been around forever to the point that the government has said, you know, a lot of people are using this. The effects, eh, the money, and they made it legal. So shouldn't we be looking at complete pardons? You can email me, Mike, at 980cfpl.ca. Give us a call, 519 643 22, 519-643-2222. The other angle on the cannabis story right now is cannabis tourism, which I smile at because you've got names like Toronto Toke Tours. And what they want to do is invite people to come and take a tour. You can have a limo ride, uh, sushi and joint rolling classes, cannabis Yoga, and they say it's B-Y-O-C, bring your own cannabis. That's Toronto Toke Tours. So all of those things are going to be popping up here and there. Hey, you know, if if something has been legalized, why not have this? If somebody's going to make use of that, it's like the party bus that rolls around. You know, you know what people like to do? They like to have parties. 
We should make a party bus and drive it around. Nobody's going to do that. Uh, yeah, check out every city everywhere now. There are multiple party buses. They're just old buses that have been retrofitted. They have them for all ages. One of them's filled with video games. I don't know what the rules are in all of that. Can you, if you've been on a party bus and a party bus tour, can you just drink at will? No matter where you're driving around, is is that a thing that you can do? I don't know how they operate. If you've been in, if you've been inside a party bus, you have to tell us what the experience was like. Please send us either an email at mike at 980cfpl.ca or give me a call at 519-643-2222. But, hey, if you can make a buck on it, if you can make it into an industry, why not? That's what the federal government was doing in the first place. Trying to make money off this. Does cannabis tourism have a place? Probably, but I don't know if we're ever going to become Amsterdam. You can't just say, yeah, well, it's the entire country. Okay, where do I go? You can go anywhere, man. Uh, okay, point me to the fun parts. All over the place. We're not really describing it well, so maybe Toronto Toke Tours will get the corner of the market on that, and, and they'll they'll be the spot. Maybe that'll happen. Oh, you know what you got to do? You got to go up to Red Rock, Ontario. That's where you've got to go. Amazing. Maybe they take advantage of it. You know, you can smoke pot and fish. It's great. We'll see where cannabis tourism takes us. In the meantime, let's talk about taking ourselves somewhere that does not have very fine snowflakes falling to the ground. Because right now, uh, we've seen a lot of that over the winter. And I don't know about you, it, it gets tiring. I don't know, are we seeing a shift? We didn't even see snow start until January And now, here we are, we're pushing well into March. Now, John Wilson was saying the weather is going to improve, and that's good. And if you look in the long range, we are going to get above zero, probably not forever. There's always a good dumping in late March or April at some point. But we do need a little something to, you know, spike up our spirits a little bit. So, we're going to talk vacationing in a moment, but we're not going to talk about where you should go. We are going to throw a little bit of a butt into it. Um... You can go on vacation, but are you covered for where you are going by way of vaccinations? Because the last thing you want to do is say, gee, honey, this salad is really tasty. And then find out that you've contracted something like hepatitis because you were eating a salad that wasn't properly washed and you were not properly vaccinated. We'll talk vaccinations next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Wouldn't it be nice to get away? I'm not talking to a place where everybody knows your name. Maybe to a place nobody knows your name. Just go out on vacation. Get away from the March weather, the unpredictability. In like a lion, out like a lamb. Forget the animals. Go and see a lion on safari. Go and see a lamb wherever it is that lambs hang out. You ever find a lamb anywhere else other than the farm? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's not the point. The point is, if you are going away, you want to make sure that you are protected. And it does mean a visit to the drugstore, but not to that aisle. It means a visit to the drugstore, and it means finding a pharmacist 
to maybe help you out with uh, some vaccinations. John Rankin is joining us right now. He is a pharmacist with Shoppers Drug Mart. And John, you know, it can be easy to plan a vacation, but we all know travel agents are still great. They've been there. They've done that. They have all the little tips like, oh, I don't know, getting vaccinated, right? Well, like, like you say, Mike, Canadians are shifting to very much a do-it-yourself vacation planning without any expert consultation. And unfortunately, this could put their health at risk. So one of the important things is when you're planning a vacation without the support of a travel expert, responsibility is now on you to ensure that you're aware of any potential health risks and ensure that you're protected. For those planning trips to warmer climates, what I would recommend is to come see me at Chopper's Drug Mart to help you navigate potential health risks prevalent in your specific destination of choice. So ideally, now with March break coming up, it's, a, it's getting a little bit late. Ideally, you should talk to me six to eight weeks in advance of your planned departure date. And your pharmacist will help ensure you're prepared by doing a number of things. Number one, determining which immunizations are recommended based on your travel destination and, when possible, administering those required vaccines conveniently for a fee, providing you with a current list of all your medications to take with you on your travels, ensuring you have enough supply of your prescription medications while you're away, identifying any prescription or over-the-counter products you might need, and, of course, advising you on the safest way to travel with your medication. Gotcha. Now, in terms of of knowing vaccinations that you need, how much does that vary from country to country? There can actually be quite a bit of variability from place to place. So really the important thing is to talk to the pharmacist about your specific destination. We have a lot of resources available that can determine, based on your background and your previous vaccination history, what it is that you should be uh, worried about. And you mentioned that some of this stuff has to happen beforehand. It's not like you can say, okay, uh, we got the bags packed. Oh, we haven't done our vaccinations yet. Don't worry. On the way to the airport, we'll swing by and get them. Doesn't work like that, does it? Not quite. Um, Depending on the amount of time you have left, there are still some options to help protect you uh, and your your family. Um, Some things that I would recommend, even if your trip is coming up in the next few days, Timing is the big thing, so some travel vaccines do take a few weeks to take effect. So it's important that you ensure you receive these vaccines six to eight weeks in advance of your trip. If your trip is happening sooner, like I said, pharmacists can still make recommendations for the best options to protect your health within the time you have available, even if it is, you know, today. Research, research, research. So learn as much as you can about your destination, whether you're heading on or off resort. It's only important, it's not only important to know about the sites you'll see, but also any potential health risks. We are talking with John Rankin, who is a Shoppers Drug Mart pharmacist right now, and we are talking about vaccines, going away, making sure that you are protect, protected, and maybe it's not just vaccines, but are there other things that we can look at? Because you don't want to feel sick on your trip. You know, we always hear, well, make sure you know whether or not you can drink the water. If they have a jug of water beside the sink, make sure that didn't come from the tap. Make sure that is something that is is potable. Uh, what do you do in that instance when it's not just about vaccines. Exactly. So you want to be uh, prepared for any unexpected health issues by ensuring that you have a first aid kit stocked up and stowed away in your bag. Uh, You might want to include things such as adhesive bandages of multiple sizes, uh, maybe some alcohol-based hand sanitizer, some wound cleanser, uh, disposable gloves, 
Um, a really important thing is maybe some packets of oral rehydration salts. A lot of people are prone to some dehydration, uh, whether it be to maybe over-imbibing while they're on vacation <laughs> or perhaps a little bit of um, maybe some traveler's diarrhea. So you want to make sure that you're staying hydrated. Um, tensor bandages for any sprains and maybe some tweezers for removing ticks or splinters while you're down there. And make sure it's stuff that you can get through airport security as well. Yes, don't exactly. don't be taking things like nail scissors. They don't like those things. Make sure that all of that is above board. Now, in terms of the types of vaccines that become pretty standard, is there anything that that is, hey, make sure you have this before you travel anywhere? Um, really good thing is to make sure that you've gotten all of the regular vaccines that are recommended in Ontario. Um, some extra ones, most commonly uh, your hepatitis vaccines, uh, both A and B. A protects you from um, hepatitis that can be found in contaminated water sources, whereas hepatitis B can be found in contaminated uh, spa utensils. Uh, it can be uh, bloodborne. Um, you just want to make sure that uh, wherever it is you're going, that you take the opportunity to, to pick the brain of, of an expert, um, ideally a shopper's pharmacist, and they can provide you with some, some recommendations. Now, in terms of cost, how many of these vaccines are going to come with a price tag? So because these vaccines are not necessarily covered under the Ontario Health Insurance Plan, um, there is there's a variable cost. It really depends on the vaccine. Uh, they can vary quite a bit in terms of, of how much it's going to cost you out of pocket. Uh, but in the long run, it's, it's a small price to pay um, when you're looking at avoiding some of these uh, pretty nasty uh, illnesses, which could put a much more expensive vacation um, you know, in the doghouse. Okay. Well, John, we really appreciate the time and the tips. Thanks so much for this, and thanks for being on London Live. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. John Rankin, pharmacist with Shoppers Drug Mart. So that is something you've got to look into because depends where you go. I mean, there's a very good chance you go away on vacation, you come back, you're refreshed, you're relaxed, and you're fine. But you also hear the stories every once in a while of, yeah, uh, if only I had known. So at least talk with a pharmacist. Ask, I'm going here. What do you think? What do you recommend? They wind up being very informed about it. We'll take a break. Up next, Mitch Marner. Somebody has just said something about Mitch Marner that's very interesting, and something fascinating could be happening with Mitch Marner. We'll also take a look at the NHL GM meetings for just a moment and look at something they're debating, which really shows what great shape the National Hockey League is in. That and one more story to go as we close out London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Got to take a minute to congratulate Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. His story is a great one. You know what somebody needs to do? I don't have the video for this, but somebody's got it somewhere. You need to take Mitch Marner and take him from when he was like 10 years old. He wasn't a tall guy at all, very small guy, but he was out buzzing around all over the place, and he was a whole lot better than anybody he was playing with at that age. And then people said, well, he'll never be able to do that in junior hockey. And then he buzzed around all over the place, and he was a whole lot better than anybody else playing at his age. And then they said, ah, but he'll never be able to do that in the NHL. And now he's doing it in the National Hockey League as well. And 
He joined a rank of some pretty amazing Toronto Maple Leafs last night, taking the fewest games to record an 80th point. Daryl Sittler did it in Point Happy Days in the 70s. And Doug Gilmore, well, I mean, he, he earned his. Dave Andrewchuk, Lanny McDonald, Frank Mahovlich, Rick Vive, Wilf Pema, and Mitch Marner. Fastest Leafs to record an 80th point. He's 19 points away from 100. And the NHL public relations crew made note of this. And this is how impressed other players are in the National Hockey League. Boston is a major rival of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Brad Marchand is not well-liked in Toronto. Uh, Probably won't be when they meet in the playoffs again, as it's looking very much like they will. But he actually responded to what the NHL public relations crew had put out, saying, I can't wait to see this kid's new deal. $12 million average annual value? It better be. Now, if it is, it helps every player in the National Hockey League. But let's face it, Mitch Marner were to hit 100 points. He had three more last night against the Calgary Flames. $100 million contract? I don't know. Yeah, for sure, but $12 million a year? Wild. Wild. Wouldn't want to be in the position of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. We'll close things out with a story if we can, but Bob, we always love your stories. What do you have for us? Well, I get the first thing I got to say to you, Mike, is go Bruins in the playoffs, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's coming again, isn't it? The first round, it looks like it, right? It it really really does. Oh man, I look so forward to this. I, I get together with my nieces and nephews and some family members, and I'm the only Bruins fan, so I'm surrounded by either Canadian fans or Toronto fans. So we'll see how it goes this year, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're talking about the uh, immunization and that. I, I I went on a trip to Croatia there last year, and I planned this trip for twelve people. I found another good source of information is, uh, you know, the uh, Middlesex Health Unit, right? They'll, you just call them up. They'll tell you exactly what you need uh, for your immunization. They know what's going on in every country. And as well as even the Health Canada uh, site and the other federal government sites, they go in pretty good detail what's going on in every country, country by country, in great detail uh, as to if, you know, if there's some dangers, potential dangers going on and uh, things like that. And just another tip. If you ever travel into a country where, uh, you know, they have malaria or, or possible potential malaria uh, contact with uh, tourists, and you, don't, you know you didn't get your immunization and stuff like that, uh, there's something you can buy at any health food store. It's called uh, Wormwood, and they actually use this to cure malaria. It actually, they tested it against immunization, and it, and it performs in some cases even better. But uh, there's just something... Uh, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I would love the tips. Bob, thanks for the call. Yeah. All right. Take okay. care. You too. So check that out if you want to. Wormwood, but that's, that's a great, great source of information if you call Middlesex London Health Unit because they will know. I mean, if somebody is traveling to Vancouver right now, you know what you're going to be told? Make sure you have your measles vaccine. Parts of the United States, make sure you have been vaccinated against measles. And you wouldn't normally know to do that. I mean, measles vaccine's pretty prominent but just in case you know hey there's a measles outbreak you might want to watch out for this absolutely one more story before we go and that is that it is fat tuesday it is mardi gras enjoy pancakes for dinner if you can get to new orleans soon because this keeps coming up 
There is a 200-year-old tradition for parade marchers to throw beads. New Orleans is really trying to cut down on that because of the amount of plastic that's tossed around and the fact that it fills gutters and it costs them a lot of money. Trying to get rid of the beads. Go to Mardi Gras before the beads are outlawed. They're threatening again. We are out of time. London Live, brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln. Thank you so much to Matt McInnes for all of his help today. Jacqueline LaBelle, Matthew Trevithick, coming up next with news. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.